Hello and welcome back to Man It Is, the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. My name is James, but you can call me Jimby, and it's nice to be back. Uh, speaking of back, um, I hurt my back. Ow. Um, yeah, I, I've, <laughs> I hurt my back in rehearsals today, uh, and I'm in a lot of pain, a fair to decent amount of pain. But I'll tell you what, my, um, my desire to stick to a very arbitrary release schedule for this podcast uh, dwarfs my desire and my logic, let's say, uh, to, to tend to my wounds, to go to a hospital, to seek a physician, or even just take a drug. Uh, but you know what? My drug is this podcast, and watching those little numbers tick up, oh, it makes me get a stiffy. Anyway, I'm gonna distract myself from my aching lower back, from my my uh, my, my 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 pained lumbar, from my shattered spine, and from my destroyed coccyx. Um, I'm gonna distract myself with a really interesting uh, story coming out of India. Now, it is worth noting at this point, and I could I could not say this to you, but I feel like I like transparency with you. I think you expect honesty from me. This is the second time recording this because I just finished recording the first take and I went to play it and my microphone wasn't plugged in. That's right. I'm a professional podcaster. I make money from this. Not a lot. Not a lot. But enough that I should know how to plug the fucking microphone in. So this is take two. Uh, I'm reading this all again. But so it should be really good, right? Because I've read it. I shouldn't make any more mistakes. Does it make sense? Okay. I'm a little frustrated. Can you hear it in my voice? But let's let's move on. Let's distract ourselves from the painful back. Let's distract ourselves from the stupid microphone. And let's get into this story. So I want you to uh, close your eyes for me. Close your eyes. Unless you're on the road. Then you just close one eye. What's the worst that can happen? Close eyes and visualize taking yourself to a remote village in India in the early 1900s. This story takes place between 1918 and 1926. This story also involves a fan favorite hunter. Uh, of the Man Eaters podcast. In fact, the only hunter that we've really talked about in detail, the man, the myth, the zaddy, Jim Corbett. Uh, and as I did, I teased last week, episode 25, it's just around the corner. Episode 25, we're going to do a Jim Corbett special episode where we will recap these stories and we will talk about news stories and we'll talk about his life and all that jazz coming around in the corner. So remember the stories that we had from before and contextualize that because this is one of the third major kills that Jim Corbett had. Uh, We are talking about the leopard of Rudra Prayag Uh, and if that name doesn't give you the hint there are a lot of Indian place names in this uh, video. I'm not good at them. We all know that. It's not a skill that I happen to have but I'm going to do my best. So you still got your eyes closed even if you were driving and are you still alive? Gary? Gary, you're still there. Oh, guys, we lost Gary. That's okay. Gary wasn't that great anyway. He never donates to the Patreon. Um, We are going to talk about the Leopard of Rudra Prayag now. So please sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy the story. The Leopard of Rudra Prayag was a man-eating leopard that terrorized villages in India between 1918 and 1926. 
the big cat would ultimately be responsible for at least 125 deaths, but experts, including the man who killed it, speculate that the real number was likely much higher. The Rudra Prayag Leopard would eventually go down as one of the most famous big cat man-eaters in the world, and would also end up as one of the top 10 most prolific man-eaters in history by death toll. The leopard's first victim was from Benji village in 1918. Benji is a small town on the pilgrim trail. Shivering, a countrywoman awoke to witness an animal slowly emerging from her hut. When she and her husband were brave enough to light a lamp, they discovered their seven-year-old son was gone. Even though they had just a glimpse of the animal, it was enough for them to identify it as a man-eating leopard. Like many man-eating big cats we've discussed, the leopard prefers to hunt at night, often attacking those with their backs turned. Experts in camouflage and stalking their prey, it's almost impossible for a person to know they're being watched until it's too late. What makes the leopard of Rudra Prayag unique is the lengths it would go to to secure a kill. The leopard, or the scourge as it became known in the area, would regularly break down doors, leap through windows, scratch through the mud or thatch walls of homes, and drag humans out of them. It would then maul and kill the victims, often using their massive fangs to penetrate the skull or cut the brainstem, causing death. The leopard tended to prefer fresh meat, so it would often only drag the corpse a short way away before devouring it. Over the next eight years, the leopard would go on to kill 125 people, however, that number is likely higher due to the number of deaths that go unreported. People were scared to travel alone at night on the road to the Hindu holy temples for the following eight years because it travelled through the leopard's country, and few peasants left their homes after dark. Gurkha and British soldiers were dispatched to chase it down, but they were unsuccessful. High-powered gin traps and poisons were also employed, but were unsuccessful in killing the leopard. Several well-known hunters attempted to capture the leopard, and the British government offered monetary incentives for its capture. All of this failed, however, miserably. Eventually, legendary big cat hunter Jim Corbett took it upon himself to kill the leopard in the autumn of 1925. Corbett, who was now well into his 50s, arrived for the hunt with his favourite rifle, a 275 John Rigby's, which he had recently received as a present for killing the Chumpawat Maneater in 1907. The Leopard, though, avoided Corbett for the next year and a half. Corbett landed in Banswara village in April 1926. Banswara is a peaceful village a century later, appearing only to be 29 kilometres away from the Rudraprayag district seat. Banswara is nestled amongst terrace fields and hills with only a few contemporary conveniences such as smartphones, TV antennas, and recently indoor sanitation. A hundred years ago, Corbett travelled to this location because it is where the leopard had just slain a 12-year-old boy. While walking to obtain water from the village's single water pump, the boy was attacked while travelling behind his mother and sister. What offence had my son committed? The mother <clears throat> the mother inquired, desperately seeking closure. Corbett notes that he was not able to give an answer, so he stayed silent. Jim Corbett's attempt to trap the leopard was rebuffed three times on April 14, 1926, due to faulty equipment, ineptitude from his assistants, or from the leopard's seemingly supernatural skill at avoiding detection. 
Corbett then followed this leopard to the village of Chopra, which was only accessible via a thin, rocky path. Between 1918 and 1926, the leopard would annihilate six people in Chopra. In his biography, Jim Corbett noted that his concern for the rapidly changing forests in the region. He, the escalating deforestation as well as the introduction of foreign, quick-going trees in the area, he believed was a contributing factor in the problem of man-eating cats. He even wrote in the first landmark issue of Indian Wildlife magazine, Stop, you fools, stop. When night came, an ominous silence brooded over the whole area. The entire population was behind fast-closed doors, and all were silent for fear of attracting the dreaded man-eater. This excerpt is taken from Chapter 3 of The Camoan Man-Eaters, The Man-Eaters of Camoan, which is Jim Corbett's biography, which details many of the big cats he killed, including the leopard of Rudra Prayag. Corbett continued to have bad luck hunting for the cat until 1926, when he identified a dirt track that had provided very little tree cover that the leopard seemed to frequent. Corbett set up a perch in a tree and left a live goat tied up on the trail. For a week, Corbett spent sleepless nights in the perch waiting for the leopard to show. On May 2nd, 1926, the leopard appeared and attacked the goat, viciously killing it. Corbett took aim with his rifle and placed a single shot to the heart of the leopard. The big cat was confirmed to be the leopard of Rudra Prayag. While the Rudra Prayag leopard was discovered to be in relatively good health when it was finally slain, it was an aged specimen with receding gums and a number of healed gunshot wounds sustained by unsuccessful hunters when it was killed. Unusual, <clears throat> Usually, damage to the teeth or legs can cause an animal to turn on humans since they are unable to catch their usual prey, which may have been the case here. Corbett proposed a different idea, claiming the animal developed a taste for human flesh after feasting on the numerous bodies left over after the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic that swept through India. When the sickness died out and the leopard's new food supply was cut off, the leopard resorted to targeting live humans. The leopard of Panar, another prolific man-eating leopard killed by Corbett, is believed to have started attacking in a similar condition after a cholera outbreak killed significant numbers of people in northern India. Today, leopards are on the endangered species list and are rarely ever seen in the Rudra Prayag region. Many villagers in the area reportedly lament this fact, claiming that in their absence the wild boar population has exploded and the pigs cause extreme damage to crops and property, as well as occasionally attacking and killing humans. At the exact spot that the leopard of Rudra Prayag was killed, there is a gravestone that says, on this very spot was killed the man-eating leopard of Rudra Prayag by Jim Corbett on the 2nd of May, 1926. There is also a sign which denotes how many people were killed each year and a recreation of the platform that Corbett used to snipe the cat. The sign claims the following fatalities. 1918, one fatality. 1919, three fatalities. 1920, six fatalities. 1921, 23 fatalities, 1922, 24 fatalities, 1923, 26 fatalities, 1924, 20 fatalities, 1925, 8 fatalities, and finally in 1926, 14 fatalities. This all adds up to a total of 125 people's lives that were cut short by a man-eating leopard from Rudra Prayag. 
And that is the man-eating leopard of Rudra Prayag, another incredibly interesting story out of India um, in that sort of big cat man-eater saga that uh, that we've been following for ever since the beginning of this podcast. I feel like the Jim Corbett uh, big cats are just such a cornerstone of this podcast. And when we get to episode 25 and we cover his uh, career all the way from his birth to his death, um, it's going to be a nice little closure of a chapter of this podcast, I think. Uh, a quarter of a century, basically. So yeah, that was a really interesting story. What did you think about it? I would like you to let me know, either by sending me a DM on Instagram or commenting on a picture somewhere or sending us an email to uh, whatever the email is. It's in the description of this podcast. Go look it up. Christ. Anyway, we're going to move on now from the Leopard of Rudra Prayag onto the Scratch of the Day. That is right. The Scratch of the Day is the segment of the show where I look up news articles uh, that have related to... Uh, I, I completely messed up the description of this. Can I please just explain it again so I don't have to re-record it? Is that okay with you? Are you okay if I don't edit every single little mistake? God damn it, Gary. You're you're back. You're back from the grave, Gary, and you're giving me gruff. This 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 chippy Gary is criticizing me, everyone. I'm I've had it. This poisonous viper spitting venom my way. I I don't do this for that, Gary. You prick. You prick in a wig. Anyway, should I <laughs> What is wrong with me? My back hurts. <laughs> and I have to re-record this whole thing. I didn't do that bit in the last one, by the way. So you, that was gold. So we're lucky that that happened. Anyway, the scratch of the day is the segment of the show where I look up news articles that have recently happened in the last few weeks that have to do with man-eating animals, animal attacks, human, animal confrontation or conflict, anything to do with that. We're here to talk about it in the scratch of the day. Our first story comes from my homeland, Australia on the Gold Coast because of course it does for those of you who don't know the geography of uh, of Australia the Gold Coast is it's like it's in Queensland I'm trying to think it's probably like Miami but it's not as nice as Miami the Gold Coast is in Queensland Queensland for those playing along is like the Florida of Australia yeah so a lot of the Americans are going oh oh I get it okay this is gonna be one of those stories and it kind of is the headline of this story is Large kangaroo kicks woman to the ground in unprovoked attack on the Gold Coast on a Gold Coast golf course. Gold Coast golf course. That is a fantastic tongue twister warm up if you guys need one. Gold Coast golf course. Say that four times really quickly. Gold Coast golf course. I can't even say it once. Okay, anyway. A large kangaroo has kicked the woman to the ground and repeatedly stomped on her head in an unprovoked attack on a Gold Coast golf course. The 69-year-old... <laughs> what am I? Christ, am I... Am I four? The 69-year-old... <laughs> it's funny because it's a sex number. Yeah. The 69-year-old woman was playing golf at the Arundel Hills Country Club when the animal struck from the side without warning just after 9am on Friday, Queensland Ambulance says. Uh, now, I'm going to do an accent here because it's like my country. This is... She's fallen to the ground at that first kick, and then when she's been on the ground, she's stomped a number of times by the kangaroo ambulance service operations supervisor, John McEwen said. She was walking down the fairway, and the kangaroos come from the side and just attacked without warning. The kangaroo then suddenly stopped its attack and moved away, leaving the woman lying on the ground with significant cuts to her face, head, arms, and legs. 
the woman was still conscious and moved into a golf buggy after the attack with paramedics arriving not long after that. And that's the end of that story. Wow. Hey, it's taken me 19 episodes, but I think it's time that I finally come, like, uh, put on official record my feelings towards golf. I fucking hate golf. It's a boring game, and I don't think we should be devoting this much money and land and resources and water to a game predominantly played by, like, old men with their nutsacks reaching their, the balls of their feet, right? I don't like golf. So maybe I'm a little unbiased here when I say I don't have a huge amount of sympathy for this woman. Um, okay, obviously, she didn't ask to be attacked by the kangaroo. The article even says it was unprovoked. Um, which that happens, kangaroos can be, they're assholes. I was attacked by a kangaroo when I was little. We went camping and we found these kangaroos in the bush and they were, they were mean. I was trying to give them a carrot and they kicked at me. Um, they were gray kangaroos, by the way. Um, this article does not specify if it was a gray or red kangaroo. Um, for those playing at home, the gray kangaroos uh, typically, I believe, inhabit the more like uh, um, coastal uh, parts of Australia and like southern Australia and the larger red kangaroo is more like in the desert and in northern Australia. Um, the large the red kangaroo is the largest marsupial on earth. Um, they can get absolutely massive. The grey kangaroo can get really big as well, uh, but not nearly as big as the red kangaroo. Anyway, um, so yeah, this woman got kicked in the head by a kangaroo and look, I'm not gonna say on a podcast that I think that that's good. Obviously it's not good. Am I gonna say that it's funny? Yeah, it's funny. What, how is it? Of course it's funny. Unless she dies. In which case, I, I apologize in advance if she dies. I hope she doesn't. She's 69 years old though, so she's going strong. Okay, moving on to this next story. And this next story is interesting to me um, because it's a little bit of a follow-up from an episode we did a while back about coyotes. Um, I'm just going to read it and uh, I'll talk to you about why it's interesting later. So, Child hospitalized after being attacked by a coyote in Huntington Beach. Search underway for the animal. This story comes from Huntington Beach, California. A young girl was in the hospital on Friday morning after she was attacked by a coyote in Huntington Beach, prompting a search for the animal. The incident happened north of the pier around 9.45pm on Thursday, according to the Huntington Beach Police Department. When officers arrived, they found the injured child, but it's unclear who she was with at the, the time of the attack. The unidentified girl, whose age was not released, was taken to the hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Police say officers shot two coyotes on the beach after the attack Thursday night. One coyote was found dead on the beach Friday morning near PHC and Gold West Street, but authorities do not believe it was the one that was involved in the attack. Even though the animal that attacked the girl hasn't been located, police expect it to be found dead given its injuries. Gary John Cohen, by the way, interesting last name. Also, is this the Gary that's been harassing me and giving me gruff for this podcast? Probably not. It's spelled with an IE. Also, last name John Con. I, I refuse to believe that's a real name, but it's pretty cool. Gary John Con says that he spotted the coyote before it went after the victim. This is really poorly written, by the way, so let me do my best. Uh, and I'll do the, the accent. 
It was all in the way over here, went under, then came back, John Con said. We saw it, and then all of a sudden it went by in this family, and there was a kid on the ground, and then like five minutes later, we walked back whole crowd around the baby. The baby evidently got like bit. Okay, so fuck. Uh, either whoever the uh, reporter is has just done a shit job at the grammar here, or Gary John Con is a fucking idiot and can't talk. Uh, I have... I have no idea what he was saying then. Um, who is Gary? I assume he's just a resident around the area. If he's a police officer, they, Christ, you need better communication skills than that. Um, residents of the area say coyote sightings are not rare and the police say they've recently increased trapping efforts across the city. It's scary when they're close to you because they're bigger and you don't really have any defense, said Huntington Beach resident Diana Broderick. She encouraged beachgoers to always be on the lookout. Okay, okay. A nice little bit of actual good advice at the end of that story. Thank you, Diana Broderick. Oh, oh, this reminds me. Um, and I'm glad I'm getting to this because I didn't say it the first time. Uh, I got a bit of flack from some of you for mispronouncing coyote um in the podcast when i was talking about coyotes um i apparently kept saying coyote coyote like that wasn't on purpose but in my defense if you want me to pronounce your animal's name correct can you spell it in a way that makes sense like i look at that right i look at the word coyote that that says coyote that says coyote and you can't convince me differently. In fact, I'm dying, I'm dying on this hill. From now on, we're just gonna call it coyotes. Coyotes, can't even get it right. Coyotes uh, on the podcast from now on. So if, if there's ever another coyote attack, uh, I'm going to be calling them coyotes. Uh, no, that's stupid. Uh, fucking dumb, <laughs> why would I do that? But I had you going there. Anyway. Cool story about coyotes. Oh, why I thought it was interesting. Okay, so uh, a couple episodes back, we talked about coyotes, coyotes, um, and how there have actually only ever been two fatalities by them. Only one on an adult, uh, which was um, Taylor Mitchell in 2009. And then, of course, in the 1990s, I believe, uh, Kelly Keene, who was a little girl, a very little girl, I think she was under the age of three, um, from California as well, was also attacked. So similarities there. Um, Coyotes rarely, rarely attack humans, uh, adult humans. It is extremely rare for that to happen. They've never killed anyone except for Taylor Mitchell. That was like a, a weird uh, uh, aberration. Is that the right word? Aberration or uh, abstract? I don't know. Um, children get attacked by coyotes more frequently, but it's still rare. And there've only ever been one case of a death, which was Kelly Keene. So this young girl is quite lucky she didn't die. Um, it, to, to be completely honest, the, the risk that you have there with these coyotes is if the, if the animal's big enough, it can pick the, the child up um, by the neck uh, or carry them in a weird way and it just breaks the kid's neck. And I think that that's what happened to Kelly Keene. Um, moving on to the final story today. And this one is quite sad. Um, I doubt we're going to find much laughter in this one. Alabama public health employee killed by dogs, woman charged with manslaughter. So this story is a little long. I'm just going to go into the, I'm just going to paraphrase what happened here. So basically, um, what was her name? Jacqueline Summerbeard. Um, she was 58 years old. She lived in Muscle Shoals. She was a long-time employee of the Alabama Department of Public Health, ADPH for short. Um, she was attacked by a pack of dogs. Now she was attacked while she was doing her job. She was doing an on-site investigation. Um, trying to do a follow-up uh, visit to some dogs that were involved in a previous attack 
um, <coughs> towards the Mississippi border um, very recently. Uh, so I will read you a section here. This is a quote from the Alabama Department of Public Health. The Alabama, the Alabama Department of Public Health extends our deepest sympathy to the family, friends, and colleagues of Summer Beard after her tragic passing. Summer was known to her co-workers as an exceptional person. She was a tremendous team worker and was loved by all those who knew her. It's a very sad day for ADPH, and we ask that everyone respect the privacy of their family at this very difficult time. Um, like mentioned before, she was doing a visit to a pack of dogs, or a, a single dog, I believe, that had been involved in an incident. Uh, in that previous attack, a pack of dogs mauled a woman while she was walking. Oh, so it was a pack of dogs. Um, Oliver said that the woman remains hospitalized in Mississippi. She was in pretty serious condition, he says. Oliver, sorry, I've skipped around, Was the is the sheriff of Franklin County. Um... Authorities say they believe Beard went to do a follow-up visit on Friday morning. The health department investigates animal bites due to potential risk for human rabies exposure. At about 6pm, deputies went to Crumpton Road to investigate reports of a suspicious vehicle and found Beard's body. While they were on the scene, deputies said several of the same dogs that attacked Beard and the other woman began attacking local residents. One other person suffered minor injuries. Deputies arrested Brandy Dowdy, the owner of the dogs, and charged her with manslaughter. Franklin County jail records show the 39-year-old is held without bail. This is another quote. The safety of ADPH team members is paramount to the day-to-day -day public health activities. Employees may, as part of their duties, carry out investigations or other visits individually. Employees may request or receive assistance with law enforcement as needed. So yeah, very sad. We, we talk about dog attacks a lot in this segment. Um, and when I do the research, when I'm like looking through Google, looking through the papers, trying to find animal attack stories, um, like two thirds of them are dogs, probably even more than that. Um, dogs are constantly mauling people, but it's not like, we all know dogs, we've all seen a dog. Dogs are great. Um, it's the people that are the problem. And so without knowing Brandy Dowdy, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying this is purely speculation and I'm, for legal reasons, I'm not saying I know anything. This is just an opinion, right? Uh, based on the story that I've read. When you treat dogs cruelly and viciously, that's when dogs become cruel and vicious. Um, when you treat them with love and affection, that's when they're lovely and affectionate. So the way that you treat a dog is the way that that dog will treat other people and potentially you one day. So I would venture a guess that Brandy Dowdy, the owner of this pack of dogs, um, who were involved in at least two incidents, uh, has not been training or treating her dogs in an appropriate way. I hope that if that is the case, she gets some jail time. Uh, because she is responsible for the death of this woman, as well as the hospitalization of another one, and also the injury of another person at this in incident. Um, I hope that the dogs, uh, I hope the dogs are okay. I know that some of them were euthanized already. I'm sure that others will as well. Very sad when this happens, but unfortunately, when it does, it's, there's not a lot you can do about it. Hopefully, if there are any dogs that survive this incident, um, they are able to be rehabilitated and find a happy home. Um, yeah. So on that really depressing note, <laughs> let's wrap this episode up. Thank you for listening to this episode of Man Eaters. I'm sorry that I, maybe I lost some steam because I did happen to re record it fucking twice and my back feels like someone stabbed the needle into it and sucked my spinal fluid out. Um, but apart from that, I hope you liked it. Before we go, just a couple little things. I would like to give a shout out uh, to the Patreon. Now, I'm not going to do this every week. I'm not going to be one of those Patreon people that just fucking plug their shit. Like I said last week, the Patreon is there 
just because. If you want to join, you can join. If you don't, no skin off my nose. It's absolutely fine. I do not care. However, uh, one lovely human being has signed up to the Patreon, uh, and I believe they are in our, what was it, the, in the, they're in the bear tier. Um, and so I just want to thank that person. Um, I'm not going to name your name because that is for the other tier. That's the crocodile tier where you get a named shout out. And I'm not going to betray the verbal contract of the Patreon tier system, okay? Uh, but I do want to say thank you to that person. Um, it's very lovely. In fact, this episode is dropping on Patreon earlier than it is anywhere else. And you might be listening to it now. So if you are, let's come up with like a really funny inside joke that we can use to make the rest of the listeners feel bad that they didn't get to hear it earlier, right? Like they missed out. Like they they get some mad FOMO. I think that's the goal here. The Patreon is to create FOMO, everyone. Um, yes, thank you for that. Also, if you uh, go onto the Patreon, if you were a $10 or uh, higher uh, donor, um, I'm going to be releasing a secondary, uh, a second bonus episode for this episode. Um, there is an Australian news article written three weeks after the death of the Leopard of Rudra Prayag, um, basically talking about the hunt from Jim Corbett. Um, so I'm going to be reading that in a mini episode, um, which will be bonus and only on Patreon. So you, you can go there and listen to it if you're really interested. And like I said, if not, that's fine. That's so good. I don't care. I really don't. This is not a money-making activity. I just find it interesting. Later on, by the way, when I get sponsors, because we blow up, um, I'm absolutely going to regret saying that. At that point, it will all be about money. It will be about raking in those corporate dollars. Thank you, Manscaped. Thank you, Squarespace, you generous cock. Um, anyway, thank you. What's going on? I need to sleep, but I also have to edit this. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the Patreon. Thank you for everything. Thank you for all the streams lately. Thank you for all the listeners across the world. It means so much to me, and I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you are sticking around. Uh, have a fantastic week. I'll see you soon for episode 20. Oh my God, should we celebrate? What should we do? Oh, maybe we could kiss. Oh, you all left. That's, this isn't even like uploaded anywhere and you all heard that? Oh, we, okay, we won't kiss. That's, that's all right, we won't kiss. Maybe on episode 100. Hey, how's that sound? Episode 100, 100 episodes, we get a little kiss. Okay, sounds like a deal. Stop it, Gary. Gary, stop suggesting I kiss people, you, 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 Okay, thank you for listening. Uh, as always, please take care of yourselves. Look after yourselves because it is a jungle out there.